A one, a two, a one, two, three, four! Music at a rational volume. Hey everybody, thanks for clicking the button for the Music at a Rational Volume podcast. In this week's episode, Kyle and I are going to chat about two LP bands, or bands that have two LPs. Uh, but just a quick note before we get into that sh- uh, main part of the show, uh, you will notice the audio on this particular episode is not great. Not only do I sound sick, but uh, also distorted and a little louder than usual. So uh, every effort has been made to make it listenable. Um, so feel free to get as much out of it as you can and enjoy the playlist that uh, accompanies the the chat, uh, but uh, next week will be better, we promise. Okay, till then, see ya. Hey everybody, thanks for clicking the button for your music at a rational volume podcast. I'll be your host, Nate. And I'll be Kyle. This is Kyle Swallows. We can get on with the show. Juice there, so. Cool. What are we talking about tonight, Nate? Oh, you know, stuff. <laughs> I'm listening to <laughs> too. What? listening to this week you heard anything good uh i have been uh and i wouldn't say obsessing but there's a i think he's australian i haven't really looked into his background riley pierce who if you remember uh a few weeks back i was gonna say we talked about him right yep and the song golden retriever was in um one of our shows and there was some, I don't know if it was a new release or if it just showed up on my Spotify Discover li- li- list. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't have a ton of music out. It's mostly singles and EPs. Cool. Um, but a really nice sound, really good voice, really interesting um, thing. And so whenever I've had a free minute to go over some music, that's kind of what I've been enjoying this is good. He's got he's got some really good tunes. I've been hitting the bargain bins again. I did find the first uh, Sea Hags record from '89. It's uh, nice. hard rock before grunge ruined things. So kind of a guns kind of to it. Really good. So really good, uh, especially to what else I've been listening to. I did find the Liam and Me record. So thanks to the people who looked at that for a while. Yeah. Uh, Guys over at uh, Preserving Records in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Really cool, nice guys. Sent it to me. I mean, I paid nice. for it, but you know, they were actually like, "Oh my god, this CD is so great! How the hell did you hear about it?" And so they seem to really like record people. Cool, you know that, that actually likes their own local music. So I'm like, "Oh, this is really cool." Thing is, it's different from the one that's on Spotify. Oh. It's only got 10 songs. Um, even Say It Out Loud, the one I put on a million mixtapes, I know I've given that to yeah. you, um, is a different version. So All this right. one, I think, is earlier version. Um, uh, the Spotify mix is the one I'm more used to, and right now I still kind of like that better. But um, other than that, I found some Bob Seger stuff, just, you know, boning up on uh, classic stuff if I happen to find it. So Oh, nice. I did take a, a little bit of an outlier for you. Um, I don't know. I'm right there with it. I mean, for all the radio stuff, of course, but um, his stuff that aren't hits are still really good. 
Yeah. You know, back then when they were making music, you had to be quality. I did buy uh, Chad Smith had some kind of project that he did. I found it at the thrift store. I bought it, and it's all jazz. I'm like, oh, so that's probably going in the garbage. <laughs> Freaking drummers, there. Yeah, I thought it would be some kind obsessions. of some kind of side project that I would like, but I'm like, okay, they're not singing on this. Okay, this is <laughs> all you out there who like it, great, but um, I don't. More power to you. All right. Uh, so tonight we're going to delve into an obscure area. The bands that were good enough to get a second record, but couldn't stick it out for a third. The eponymous two LPers. Kyle, tell me why. Why would we do this? Well, I did it because I knew you wouldn't like it. So that was a big reason, but no, it was just, um, we did the list of the ones that I made one record. And, uh, there's a lot of bands that I like that we still talk about, but don't talk about enough that only made two and then just disappeared. Yeah. It just seems weird. And a lot of them are kind of mysteriously just are gone, but I mean, mysterious to us because, you know, a lot of these bands are pretty, obscure to begin with mm-hmm. so it's hard for information on a lot of them like what happened but yeah a couple that i was looking up um i'm sure somebody somewhere knows what happened to them yes but they but, just kind of disappeared from from the internet from the social media from the websites from reviews everything is just it, it goes dark generally though i mean only the bands really know like why like what happened but like with liam and me we talked about that with their they only made the one record and then they had record company crap and lawsuits with the you know the record company and then distribution and then trying to get on the radio and then trying to tour and then you know making money and family and all this crap and they finally decided it's not worth it so it went back to day jobs and then a great band just goes in the toilet you know because yeah. they're not big machine or they're not on the Disney channel. And so they're not going to get played on the radio ever. Yeah. Anywhere it, in the country. I, f- I feel like, yeah, they kind of fall into either that camp, the, the not quite big enough to survive people and the quote unquote super group, you know, the bands that get together for one record or two and we'll get into the super group. Oh, show huh? we'll get into the super groups for sure. Uh, the super group. Um, I, apparently touched nerve this week because <laughs> I saw that term so many times. Uh, I'm about sick and tired of people trying to call themselves a super group. Because music is one of those things where bands are made up of dudes and sometimes women who have been in other bands. And sometimes those bands were successful and sometimes they weren't. But just because you get into a band with another person who was in another band does not make you a super group. It just it's a it's an overused term, but it's like you know. Remember in the eighties, you know, there were no models; they were all supermodels. They were right. all supermodels, and then the the nineties, they kept referring to actors. Oh, it's a triple threat. They sing and make movies. They're triple threat. Everything's a threat. Well, who are they threat yeah. to? It's <laughs> it's ridiculous. It was so stupid. It's just overused terms, you know. Yeah, because there are a few in this list that are genuine. 
Titans joining Titans. Like, I was thinking about it, like I often do, in terms of Voltron. Because Voltron is my go-to analogy for things. Uh, if you've got a standard Voltron, well, that's pretty good. But if you can get, like, five black lions together, <laughs> like, that's kind of special. Or if you can, like, combine more than one Voltron together, like, that's a super group. Like, it's it's not just plugging in one for the other and, you know, oh, we got the basis from Journey in our band. We're super group now. It's a basis for babies, but we'll talk about that more. But our four <laughs> listeners, three of them are going, that Voltron analogy, I get where he's going with that. Yeah, I'm not the other guy's going. What the? What? <laughs> I'm in the what category? But I'm not uh, as big into Voltron as you are. But if people are, that probably made a hell of a lot of sense. So it's well, it's the many parts becoming one analogy. Well, you could have gone Power Rangers too, I suppose. Or no, I can't. Can't do it. I don't know. Because they suck, and Voltron's awesome. Sixty. Nine Mets, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, but maybe. these band, a lot of these bands that I'm looking at could be called super groups by their loose, loose, loose definition. But anyway, should we get started? How dare you, sir? How dare you, sir? We're, we're going to get started. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right. Uh, what's your first one? Uh, first one is man I talk about every single week the Gear Daddies. Probably what? the Gear daddies from austin minnesota maybe my favorite band ever because they only made two records and they're both amazing and for all those people that everything's on spotify let's go scare al their debut is not on spotify or it's Apple not Music or anywhere their second one billy's live bait is and that was on polydor or something anyway that was their major yeah. label debut they did letterman and they toured the midwest and, and they're still big there but I don't know. And then they uh, broke up. Marty went solo. Martin Zeller did a bunch of solo records, but none of his solo stuff was anywhere, to me, anywhere as fun as the Gear Daddy stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I, I know we did Bill's Live Bait uh, review, as was one of the greatest albums of all time. Greatest albums ever created by humans on Earth. Yes, I, I still stand by that. It is one of the best albums I've ever heard in my life. And if you guys don't own it, well, maybe you should. Actually, you definitely should. And if you haven't listened to that episode and listened to Kyle fawn over it, you really should. Because really, it's a fantastic you may be a believer. But again, with why they broke up, and I've even, you know, not to name drop, but I think I asked Marty one, like, what happened with the band? Oh, you know, it's just we're friends and and they are they i've never heard any of them crap talk any of the other ones they still do shows together now like they'll do eight or ten shows every summer in mostly in minnesota and iowa wisconsin every year and then they go back and do their day jobs i think martin is the only one that's a full-time musician or let me put it this way doesn't do other things but he hasn't put out a record in 10 years, I think. No, really? Yeah. So his website is kind of hasn't really been happening. The, the Gear Daddy's website, they've got a couple of shirts you can buy. 
and they'll list shows if they have them. And that's really all it does now. Mm-hmm. So technically they're still together, but they haven't put out a Gear Daddy's record since 91, I believe. So, so they didn't officially break up, but they... Eh, I mean, they, bro- they broke up for like 20 years. So, but I guess they were still <laughs> friends and, you know, he kept his same bass player with him, but the other two guys went off and, you know, did whatever. So. All right. Cool. Anyway. I didn't do as many as you. Um, sure. The one that I, f- I found interesting, the Traveling Wilburys, which are an actual super group. These kind of titans, as I called them. Bob Dylan, Joe Harrison, Jeff Lynne, Roy Orbison, and Tom Petty. Like, if Mount Rushmore came off the wall and punched you in the face, this is that's the Traveling Wilburys. Like, I kind of feel like... It, it, they're they're that big, and just like from the sound of it, cool dudes who just like playing music together. You know, yeah, nothing, that's what, nothing better than that. Jeff was producing um, George's uh, Cloud Nine record, the one with I don't know that cover song that he had that everybody thought was his big hit and should put him in the Hall of Fame, which I disagree with. But he was producing that, and he's like, "Man, I'd like to do a band. I, I want to make a band called." The Wilburys, and he's like, "Well, who do you want in?" And he's like, "I'd like Bob Dylan." And Jeff's like, "I would love to play with Roy Orbison." And you know, um, Jeff was producing Tom Petty's solo record that was ginormous, and Tom opened for Dylan, and so they kind of had those ties, and that's kind of how they came together. But pretty much, this was George Harrison's baby, his project, his yeah. He seemed to be the the ringleader. Very much um, so. I, I don't know. I, I, I listened to both albums a couple of times. Like I, you can, you can see the fingerprints of all of the band members, but I hear a lot of Tom Petty in it. I don't know if it's because it's distinctive or if I just know his stuff better than than the other guys. But it just it it feels like <laughs> from a sound perspective, uh, a bunch of people playing along with Tom Petty. Which I don't know if that's accurate or not, but I just kind of feel like it's got a lot of his fingerprints in it. I mean, you can feel however you want. I don't think it's 100% accurate. I mean, as far as the songwriting and who sings lead and and all that, but there are definitely two different records. Roy Orbison died shortly after they made the first record. So if you see um, how to handle with care, it's the end of the line video. Yeah. Playing in a room together. That when they have Roy Orbison's part, you just see an acoustic guitar in a rocking chair, rocking back and forth. That was kind of a clever, classy way to, to do that. Because yeah. he does, that's one, one of the songs where they all sing lead on. That's probably my favorite, but I think the records are very hit and miss. Yes. It, it, it's got a lot of uh, middle-aged dudes farting around in a studio vibes, which is yeah. fine, but... Yeah. <laughs> No, but I, I think what I mean by the Tom Petty thing is I think the it's it's to, it's a Tom Petty skeleton is what it feels like that you hang all the stuff off of. Well, yeah, I mean, especially if you're looking at the, the solo records that he made, like Wildflowers and whatever that earlier one was, you know, produced by Jeff Lynne. So it is going to ha- yeah. kind of have that same vibe and yeah. that same sound. And they were. I think that's all I was getting at. 
yeah. yeah. So I can definitely feel that. But what'd you think of them in general, though? Um, Spotify really wants me to like this band. <laughs> it feels like after every playlist finishes and it goes into the auto, like, right, recommended for you stuff. And the line is the next one it plays almost every time. And I'm not sure why. <laughs> it's like, you really need to like this one. This is not doing Donny Osmond. So no, that's, that's great. Uh, it, and it's, it's not a song that I dislike because I'd like all of these people individually. Um, and I think, I think after listening to it several times through, I like it more than I did. Uh, particularly that first record, I think it, it it is really something special. Particularly the parts in Handle with Care and and the line where you can really sense Roy Orbison's weight in it. And I yeah, think it's amazing. I think that true that's true and it, the second record suffers a lot by him just not being there. Um, apparently Dylan wasn't really into the whole group and he was trying to get his career back and he had the Earl Mercy record. Apparently that was doing well. And so they were kind of, from what I read, yeah, it was, he was getting some traction with it. Right. And so he had to record all his stuff ahead of time. So it wasn't quite as collaborative. Well, then George wasn't really willing to take his parts off. So Dylan sings lead on a lot of the second record and like it or not, it doesn't seem as much of a, group project the first one seemed more fun yeah more the song seemed uh i don't know better structure to them in my opinion I think you're right and i yeah, think exactly. it's, it's a better record not cohesive yeah so if you're interested in the traveling Mobars, you've heard of them before get volume one enjoy that one and then maybe hit volume three and if you like you know cds which i do you can now get that it's been re-released finally because up until like 15 20 years ago that thing it was a released when it came out and that was it it was a you know very hard to find sought after you know 50 60 cd and now please don't pay that much for it yeah no they both released. so second one i want to talk to i'll just going through them in order of what i got talked about this band a lot love spit love um I like them. I liked them when I first heard them. I like the name of the band. They put out two records. They're uh, Love Spit Love and then Try Some Eat One. And it's basically started off as a Richard Butler project after he left the Psychedelic Furs. And he got together with a guitarist named Richard Fortas to write. And they thought, sounds more like a band than a than a and you know my solo record and so he's like well, let's make this a band which is what they did mm-hmm. it doesn't sound like the furs it has the same voice but to me it's harder there's not as it's not as keyboardy yeah and uh and their second record i thought was better you think the second one's better i do because i was listening to them the other day yeah i don't know i was kind of feeling the first record more the second one yeah i mean it was fine but it was more of the same when i kind of feel like that my biggest criticism of that particular band was it just felt like it was kind of a shallow well to begin with like what they had was good but it was never going to be you know an eight album kind of juggernaut well 
Richard Butler talked about that. He's like, I want to make a record a year with this band. He's like, I'm not in the first anymore. This is my new band. And he's like, I really want to make a record. And the next break another, he said, at least the first three, I want to make three in a row that are once a year, but they got into touring and scheduling conflicts and mm-hmm. stuff like that. The first record did fine. Am I wrong? Was played on 120 minutes all the time. I feel like I heard that a lot when it came out. Yep, it was on the radio, at least in Minnesota. They played it on, you know, alternative radio. And, um, you know, they were getting press. They did Conan and, you know, different things. And so I think it sold fairly well. And my favorite song on that is um, Half a Life. Okay. Love that song, even though I didn't put it on here because anyway. But the <laughs> record, I think, is a better record overall. The, the first one has probably higher highs, but the second one I think is consistently a better, okay. but nobody bought it. It didn't sell at all. Yeah. That's probably why they didn't make another one. Well, that is why. I mean, it, it took a long time for them to put it out. And then, you know, um, uh, the drummer, Ferrer and Fortis, they went on to do Honky Toast. And then they were both in Guns N' Roses and Richard Butler did um psychedelic furs again so it's like when the second one didn't hit it's like eh, yeah yeah other things we're not going to tour it just kind of petered out so yeah go back to what you know i guess um, but some good music i mean i think um particularly for a two record kind of um compilation it, it's pretty good it doesn't get much better than that no, and they did do um, How how Soon Is Now. They did it for, I forget if they did it for the show specifically, but anyway, it's a theme song for the Charmed WB show that was on for eight or nine years. And that yeah. was them doing a cover of the Smiths song. So if you think it's the Smiths, it's not. But if you like Richard Butler or if you like his voice or whatever, um, you should check out Love Spit Love. Yeah. Should I just do another one real quick? Uh, yeah, ahead. Okay, Florida indie band that I really like, the Black Kids. I've talked about them before. They put out two records. I don't really know where they came from, but their first record is freaking amazing. Party Traumatic. Um, it was getting some uh, push in the UK. They were in the NME, the Village Voice, New York Times, USA Today, Rolling Stone, so they were one of the bands to watch in 2008, and they were doing Coachella and different things. But I don't know what the hell happened, but they didn't put out a follow-up album for nine years. So all their momentum is dead. Yeah. No one to blame except themselves, as far as I can see. So I don't know if it was management or I have no idea why it took so long. But by the time he came out, they were dead in the water. (laughs) Uh, Reading through your little synopsis there and kind of going through the, the research and the music, it kept bringing me back to that thing you do when uh, Guy Patterson's talking to Del Paxton and Del Paxton leans back and goes, ain't no way to keep a band together. Band's gonna go. <laughs> you gotta keep on playing, no matter who you're with. Like, that to me is music perspective on a level that I think most people don't really think about it as. Like, you're, you're trying to make you know four and five people stay on the same page for years after years. Like 
that is a tough ask for anybody. Particularly yeah. when you get ego, you get money, you get drugs and alcohol, you get all these pushes and pulls against keeping a band together. Like that they made it to two is pretty impressive and that both records are really good. Like that yeah. that's that's pretty good. It's the first record hit so hard. It was so good. And I was not on the cutting edge of it. I got it, I don't know, seven or eight years after it came out. But I was so excited to get their second one. I'm like, it's still really good. Not as good as the first. But um, like, this is quality. I'm like, what took you guys so long? And there was some, you know, we wanted to make sure. We wanted to wait until we were feeling it. I'm like, oh, you can wait all you want. But the kids who bought this now, they have their own kids now. In nine years, you can't. Yeah. You cannot do that. You have to put out something. Yeah. Or like you said, if you can't keep the band together, we'll then break up. We'll yeah. Just call, it, just call it quits. Yeah. Like, I mean, with Psychedelic Furs, he wasn't. He said, I don't want to go in the studio. I know what the record's going to sound like. I don't want to go in and make a record we've already done. I'm going to do something else. Do something else. Don't keep the band together. Del Paxton was right. Del Paxton was right. <laughs> sure. <laughs> For sure. Uh, but yeah, that's a double recommendation for from both of us on the Black Kids. That's a good band, or was a good band. If they're still around, I don't even know, but screw you guys. <laughs> All right, so I want to get into... Sorry, what? What's your next super group? <laughs> Are we Air quotes. Super group. Okay, I have beef with Wikipedia about the band Bad English. They called them... Whoever wrote this... POS uh, on Wikipedia, which is some fanboy probably, called them a metal supergroup. That's right. You remember, you remember Bad English? Uh, metal supergroup. Pop guy uh, John Waite, famous for Missing You, which is a great pop tune. Um, never really had metal chops. Um, but wasn't a rock and roll band called the babies back in the day? 70s, really um, good band, really good band. They had a couple of minor hits, they did. They are playing the radio for sure. Yeah, playing on the radio. Um, but uh, John Waite goes back with some of his old uh babies bandmates and calls in a couple of cast offs from other bands. <laughs> I say in air quotes, <laughs> cast offs. Um, and creates this new project called Bad English, uh, which many people now are calling a supergroup. Kyle, defend your stance here. Okay, I put in there, this is basically the babies with Neil Schoen, which it is. Because yes. the guys were all in the babies except for their drummer, and who cares, Dean Castronova. He was, would later be in Journey as well. But So it was kind of a, a Journey babies hybrid but and first of all can we talk about john waite's haircut on the cover of that like a prince valley <laughs> yeah hangs across the top and then kind of long on the side it looked terrible it's not it even was not a good haircut it's just a even hard. then i don't think it was good no i, I hated it the first time i saw it because he used to have good hair he kind of had it short and spiky it was cool in the early 80s but i don't know that whole i don't know if he was trying to be a, a rocker again or what it looked terrible but getting back yeah. to the music of it yeah, it basically is the babies with Neil Schoen. So, so it has rock and roll tendencies. I at, at best, it's power pop. 
I don't know where the metal label comes from. Because anybody with a guitar back in the 80s was metal. It's, uh, and, you know, yeah. rap was metal and white snake was metal and everything was metal, but well, it's, it's different metal. It's, it's hair metal. It's, you know, it's power metal. It's what it's not. Yeah. Hard rock bands. I don't know. This wasn't even a hard rock band. They're, they're a rock band, but, and yeah, I didn't think they were very good, but that's the thing I hate. I hate quibbling about what to call it. I hate having to parse it into which bucket to put it in. It's well-written, well-produced, sounds good. They're professional musicians doing great art. And, you know, for whatever extra crap that we were just talking about, that's really what you need to know. And that's why they had radio hits and they had a lot of exposure. Just a good band. Well, at the time, you could put together something like this and get on the radio. Because they're like, wow, people will want to hear that. That's new and interesting. and let's Let's do it. It was always fun, though, when bands would put out a project like this. Mm-hmm. Some were good and some weren't as good. And, you know, just because I didn't like it doesn't mean it wasn't very, very successful. At least the first record. The second one. Right. Yeah, second one was really hit and miss. And, and not even good hits. Or, it was, it, yeah, it was just. It, it certainly didn't smell well. At all. Yeah. Well, it didn't have any hits on it. It was 91. Yeah, 91. And so it was kind of getting out of that. The hard rock was really falling out of favor for whatever reason. Yeah. So, but. Because you needed your angst. They, and they were not an angsty band. Why not? So what are you going to do? <laughs> so you done with uh, them? Uh, yeah. We're already half an hour, so cool. We'll knock a couple of these out then. Um, next one I want to talk about is another super group called the Yahoos. I just said that to make it <laughs> mad, but they put out <laughs> country super group, some guys from whatever. Uh-huh. It's basically Dan Baird, Terry Anderson, uh, Eric Campbell, and uh, uh, I forget the bass player, it doesn't matter. But their first record, Fear Not the Obvious, is fantastic. They apparently wrote it in like 96 and didn't put it out till 2001. So it does have that alt country mid 90s feel. Mm-hmm. So put it out. Second record they didn't put out for five years and it's got covers on it. And it was one of those things they threw together like over three weekends. And it shows it's really not very good. And they were one of those things they did it for fun, kind of, but they were trying to put out something the georgia satellites were done and you know eric amble was in the dell lords and they were done and so they were trying to put some music out and then of course did separate things which is fine but yeah uh yeah that's not my favorite band and yeah so i'm glad you like it (laughs) that first record is Freaking! If you like old country, the first one, you're not the obvious, but the Yahoos is fantastic. But the second one I put on here, the results were a sloppy, rushed, unfocused, uninspired post Partridge Family Susan Day meets Latter Day Replacements jumble, not quite a mess, with some less than great covers. But thanks for the first record, guys. <laughs> Which I think is a, a beautiful sentiment because it's it's pretty accurate. Because like um, 
the first record has some stuff that I actually enjoy. It's but the second record is a mess. It's I just, don't like it at all. I've never bought the second record. I probably won't. Every time I try to listen to it, I can't sit through the whole thing all at once. Yeah. But anyway, let's go to the next one here real quick. Alva Star. We talked about Story Hill when we did our Montana playlist. John out of nowhere. <laughs> John Hermanson somehow managed to find his way. Those guys took a break from each other to do solo stuff. Hermanson came to Minnesota or he had been in Minnesota and he, he was going to do a solo project and it became Alvastar, this sort of band. And they put out two records again. The first one, Alligators in the Lobby, really good. Second one. Weird, weird album name though. Weird no, album name, but really cool album cover. <laughs> there you go. So I'm going to give him a pass. But the first record kind of sounds like the Honey Dogs, uh, kind of a power pop, hard rock kind of thing. It sounds like a real band. And the second one is a bunch of experimental goofing off in the studio crap. And then John would join a band called the Hopefuls in Minnesota. And then now he is back with his pal in uh, Story Hill. Poor Missy Hawks. So (laughs) cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to kind of gloss over one real quick because it was a bone of contention a little bit. <clears throat> uh, the October Project, which is a band that I, I think I really just like the one album, but they put out a second one that was it was okay, um, and then they broke up, and they have since reformed, and then broken up again, and then reformed again. And you really like that first record? I do. I, I think. It's not necessarily um, that I love the music anymore in terms of, like, it's not what I'm into now, but of a time and of a place, um, and when I'm in a specific mood, that album is, it, it hits the right buttons for me. Is that mood um, suicidal? Or... <laughs> Uh, it, it is a moody place. I will, I will admit you that. You hear about this band? I've never. I thought you looked them up just for this show. Oh no, no. Um, I had a friend who. By the way, oh no, no is what I said when I heard their music. But <laughs> my my first bullet point on the on our thing is Kyle will probably hate this band and want to take my music snob card. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he and he is going to want to. Well, you maybe should get another music snob card for this band. I mean, they're so obscure. I should get an additional one. Well, I, I don't know where. I think it was from a friend who get a star a song on a mixtape or something. And uh, it, the thing is, is the lead lady has such a distinct voice. I don't know her name. Uh, that's how little I know about the band. But it's such a. Uh, a distinctive sound just in the way that the songs are constructed, the way the, that her voice works in harmony with the other members of the band. Um, just a really interesting thing. And um, it's worth a listen just to the couple of songs I'm going to put on the playlist uh, and you'll make your own decision. The other point of contention was that uh, they have two other studio albums. Really it's one studio album and then a second version of that. Um, they produced in their return in 2015 uh, the most pretentious record I've ever heard. 
it's a it's a twenty one song musical round they call it a book of rounds. These songs sang in the round is that it? Well, not in the round, but that they're meant to like flow one into the other. It's supposed to be this kind of music experience. Wow. Yeah, it's. So I think a an album of songs in the round might be better. It's BS, and the second version is the chorale edition, which is BSier. I don't know. I, I just think it's too much time has passed and too much time up their own ass to. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I mean, there's not even anything to cling on to that no one's going to know who these guys are. If you want to make stuff, that's great. I guess I'd rather have them make stuff than just say, when wonder if we would have made that what it would have sounded like. To me, right. I, I say about this band. If you ever wondered what would happen if Enya joined a Journey cover band, it would kind of sound super good, like their first record. Exactly. <laughs> Enya's joining a cover band now, so from the local bowling alley, not. But I guess, yeah, super group because she was successful before. So, yeah, anyway, take that. Oh, what do we got here? We got one. Let's talk about um, a band we both really like, Fine Young Cannibals. Nate, oh, yeah. tell me why they're your favorite band of the 90s. <laughs> uh, she drives me crazy, man. I, I, that is one of those songs that you just – that I've never failed to enjoy listening to. Like, I it just, never get sick of it. I never yeah. get sick of it. The first second I heard it, I'm like, God, this is good. And, and talk about your distinctive voices. Like, he – and my dog's chewing up my living room. I'll be right back. Keep going. All right. Oh, Kyle is wrestling his dog. Yeah, what are the more distinctive voices in pop music ever? I, it was it was just unique and special, and it really bums me out that they they weren't able to give us more. Yeah, so a little backstory on them. So Andy Cox and David Steele were in a band called The Beat, and they broke up or they left it or whatever. Who cares? But they formed Fine Young Cannibals, and they looked really hard. They found this guy named Roland Gift. I think he had toured with them or something. Anyway, like, okay, let's make a record, and they did. And their first record was pretty big in the U.K., didn't really hit here, although Suspicious Minds I did hear. I don't know if it was on the radio or what. Maybe somebody had this record, but um, they did a couple of songs for a movie called Tin Men, which took place in Baltimore in the 60s. And so some of those songs had a 60s kind of feel to them. And they did a cover song. And when they made their album, their second album, they put all that stuff on there, plus a few new songs. So it was Sort of hodgepodgey and really shouldn't work, but mm-hmm. somehow, it, and it blew up two million copies in the United States. Um, good thing, and she drives me crazy. We're both number ones. Such a good, good band. Like, I, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, and I, I, I mean, it's one of those recipes, you know, that you try. Like, this really shouldn't work, but all it the really pieces work just the right way and just hit all the right places and capture a time and a space where they, they were kind of just perfectly fit. 
it's not an 80s band it's like it's not our it's got like reggae and soul and you know Roland gift sounds like nobody else and mm -hmm. it's just it's so weird and i mean the ron the cook though is one of my favorite albums and i know it sold a lot and it's poppy and whatever but it's so good all the way through well that's actually right man ain't no way to keep a band together and they did um now that I'm looking at this screen. I can't remember the freaking cover song they did. Um, this was just mine's. Second one on the second record. Now I'm gonna have to look it up. Not suspicious minds. The second album. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. Let's see. Apparently, I don't. No, you do. You do. You're gonna go. Oh yeah, of course. Of course. I'm sure. That was it. Hold on, we're getting there, people. It's the exciting part of the show. We have to look something up, otherwise we're going to obsess about it. And Wait for Kyle's internet. Me. It's our new three segment. Uh, they just have a long part of this, so. Ever fallen in love? There you go. Uh, of course. What I love about that, though, it doesn't sound anything like the Buzzcocks. In fact, I no. haven't even heard the Buzzcocks song before. Really? I heard this. This sounds... You know, the original sounds way different. Pete Yorn also yes, covered is. that, but he did it like the Buzzcocks. You know, really this fast. This is really good. It's good. Mm. I think this better because it still sounds like them, but it's definitely their song, and it's fantastic. I don't know. I could talk about this. This is probably one we're going to talk about in length at some time, this album. Oh, I'm sure. It's, yeah. But let's move on to something else. Should we talk about your uh, your favorite super group? The Chicken Foot? Uh, Sammy Hagar and the um, Waburitas or whatever it's called. Yeah, it's the circle or whatever. It's all pretty much the same. <laughs> Sammy Hagar and Michael Anthony and then whoever else. Waburitas. Drums and guitar. So this one was Chicken Foot, Joe Satriani, Chet. The first album, uh, it came out at a weird time. It was late 90s, I want to say. It could be up in the night. But anyway, um, it seemed like it was getting some press. It had some legs. It seemed to be doing yeah. okay. Went gold. Their second one tanked really, really hard. It so got a lot of that super group publicity. Like, oh, did you know You know, Sammy Hagar and Chad Smith and Michael Anthony? They all got together, and they're making their record. And people were like, great, I'll try it. And they said about the first one. And then didn't buy the second one. Second, I mean, the second one's not as good. I will be honest with you, but it's not bad. But it didn't sell a tenth of what the first one did, and that was a big yeah. reason they didn't um, they didn't make another one. But plus, Chad Smith was with the Peppers on tour, and so the touring that they did do for the second one, um, Kenny Aronoff studio drummer he played in john mellencamp and fogarty and a bunch of other people he played drums on the second tour for a part of it it just didn't sell it was it's it's okay but it's not great and then like you say sammy and michael anthony who did you know the wabaritos and the circle and whatever they're called now so they had the bassist from tommy tubo in it that's a super group yeah. <laughs> maybe <laughs> I don't know. Super groups, yeah. Thrown around all the time, but um, should we do Sugar real quick, too? Uh, yeah, throw it in. Really fast. Um, so, Bob Mould, 
broke up Husker Du or left or whatever, released two solo albums. They both pretty much tanked, although they got some college radio play. He got dropped from his record label. He forms a band, quote unquote, called Sugar, which is basically just Bob Mould. But Copper Blue, their first record, did get some play on uh, college radio. Um, the song was If I Can't Change Your Mind. And they were getting some buzz and they were out there mm-hmm. doing thing. They did put out an EP, Beaster, which is stuff recorded during Copper Blue, which is more harder, kind of Husker mm-hmm. sounding. But that doesn't really count. And then they put out um, Easy Listening. That got played on MTV all the time. And that had a couple of big hits. Um, favorite Thing and um, one that I put on here, Believe What You're Saying and Gift. Yeah. Is it Company Book? I can't remember. But um, they did pretty well, but um, Bob just I mean, he, he wrote everything. He plays guitar. He sings. He produced the records. It really was just him or a vehicle for him. And so mm. he, when he went solo, oh, it's not really much different from what he was doing. Although this band seems to sound more like a hard rock band than, than Bob Mole did. Yeah. That way I think it's different. Yeah. No, I, I kind of feel like every, every band of Bob's in is Bob's band. We just kind of like, what am I going to call this? effort or what this project or this really true, but I mean him when he was in Husker Du the songs that he wrote were definitely you know he sang and if Grand Hart wrote something they were definitely Grand Hart songs they had a different kind of feel to them mm-hmm. although the same band so but everything yeah. since that absolutely has been all Bob all the time nice so, yeah I had a couple of brainwaves today of some bands that I really enjoy, but never really thought much about, <clears throat> you know, what exactly they've put out. Um, mostly, um, well, there's two of them. Modern Space, uh, which is kind of a mid-20-teens band. They put one out uh, Before Sunrise in 16 and Flip For It in 18. Before Sunrise is a, an amazing record. Um, it's a very... Uh, high energy band from Toronto. They remind me a lot of the sea girls and the vaccines. Um, this record is really good. Yeah. Uh, pen to paper is one of my favorite songs. Maybe ever. Like it. Fantastic. It's just a a really good song. And then, um, for some reason, after that record, they toured a little bit up into November, 2019, which is the last tour date I was able to find. And they don't have a website. They don't have any social media presence that's accessible. That they have some private um, stuff, but um, <clears throat> they certainly aren't pimping anything that they any projects or anything. So they don't appear to be active. I have no idea what they're up to. Uh, but they put out two really great records, and you know, hopefully, we get more eventually. But uh, for now, it's just the two, and I. I implore you to go look at the that band we may do that first record as a a, a greatest album one because i like it that much the band is called modern space from toronto canada and go look them up and they're on spotify and all over the internet clearly not all yeah. over the internet i can't even find them <laughs> not all over it's a contemporary and they sound modern and if you like like a name was saying sea girls of vaccines or i don't know some of these other bands that people play that i don't care for but um 
it's a good band. They should still be around, but we don't know how they break up or why. Yeah. So, um, and then kind of my last one, the refreshments. Uh, I bought Fizzy Fuzzy Big and Buzzy in '96 when I came out. I love that record. It's it's not perfect and it's not amazing art in any way. Um, the album cover that, is amazing. <laughs> the album cover is great, and and the music is good. I don't want to. I don't really want to undersell it. Um, particularly their kind of hit Bandidos. Um, it's really catchy and some good energy, good wit, good um, kind of vibes to it, but definitely suffered in that mid nineties uh, kind of weirdness. They're, they're band from Tempe, Arizona, kind of the same uh, local areas, Jim Blossoms. Um, so yeah. I think they both kind of fell into that same category. Jimmy World is around that same area. Jimmy World, yeah. Um, they're also known for Yahoos and Triangles, which uh, is the theme song to the long-running animated series King of the Hill. So when you hear that, that's the refreshments. Uh, officially, does it? Yeah, that one. Come on, Kyle. Sort up, would you? I don't think it's got words. I don't watch that damn show that much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so and the second album is kind of on the same wavelength. It it's it is what it is. Is good music to me. Uh, they officially disbanded in '98. I, I I just couldn't get the feeling that they were like, "Okay, hey, well, that was fun. Let's go do something else with our lives." Uh, but they did kind of sound yeah. very period like that song Una Soda. If you close your eyes and you didn't know, Mike, you would swear that's told the words rocket. I mean, I think it sounds a lot like them. Like they were very much in that same vein of music that was coming out. And like, I don't know why they weren't bigger. Yeah, but they should have been, but for whatever reason, like to give them credit, Banditos and the King of the Hill, like that is a really good exposure that most bands would kill for. And so, you know, it's hard to fault them. Um, but they do sound of the era. They do sound of, you know, similar yeah, stuff as the contemporaries. I wasn't Hey Jealousy. I mean, that 18 on a modern rock track, they weren't hitting the, you know, the Hot 100 even. Um, no. I yeah. thought they were better than that. No, I think you're right. But I mean, that's why they didn't last. There was a guy, well, we're, I guess we're this this good, you know. It's too expensive. Um, yeah. But uh, they do... You know, play under a different name. Um, Roger Klein and the Peacemakers, apparently. Uh, but some good tunes are, are left in their wake. Um, to the one Kyle was talking about. That one makes me just smile. The Unisota. If you've ever been kind of, <laughs> I don't know, bummed out and depressed, that one's a good one. I think it's a good one, even if you have, you know, good mental health. But... Um, speaking of mental health, let's talk about our next guy here. He's a British fellow named Strubius Pip is the name he goes by. He was doing some stuff, uh, Dan Laslack versus Scribius Pip, but he's got two proper solo records. Um, the first one was kind of a indie joint. They made like a thousand. It's not really good. Um, but his second one, Distraction Pieces, you should go by. It's real hip hop. He doesn't try to hide the fact that he's British. Sounds very much so. Uh, intelligent lyrics. He has something to, to talk about. 
Um, in fact, if you go watch the video for uh, Intradiction, it's it's clearly one take that they did this in, and there's some cool stuff that he does in it. Um, and that song's going to be on the playlist. But I don't know. He's he's done some stuff with some other people, POS and um, uh, Cecil Otter and some other guys. And then he's just stopped making records. He does a podcast, and he had a record label for a while, but I think he's just doing a podcast now. Interesting. And we know who does podcasts. Losers. Come on. <laughs> You're not wrong. Together, Pip. But his stuff is so unusual, and I really like it. If Distraction Pieces is definitely the one you want to buy. Hard copy, physical copy, a little hard to come by, but they're, they're out there. But he's, he's yeah. definitely on yeah, Spotify. So Yeah, then, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't dare yuck your yum on this one. Um, so, you know, if, if you like that kind of thing, it does not give like it a it. shot. Yeah, uh, cool, man. No, it's it's certainly not for everybody. I get it. The last band I want to talk about in length, which is going to be really short, is American Scarecrows. Keep Your Devils Around and Yesteryear. They're both very good records. Uh, it's a Minnesota band. Big surprise. Um, <laughs> I'm shocked. Yes. They just put out their third record, so technically they shouldn't be on this list, but screw you. They are anyway. It, it was eight years. I thought they broke up. That again, social media there's not a lot on there. They're, they're uh, at the time they're um, not MySpace, but Facebook page. There wasn't a lot of action on it. Their website had like one t-shirt for sale. So they've got a little more going on now, but I can't find a hard copy of their new record, which we will apparently talk about next week. I think so. Yeah. Give it a, give it a listen. This is kind of an exception to the theme of the episode, which is fine. It was it was two LPs for a long time. You want to mention just some other bands that we knew about? That if you guys go, why didn't you talk about Cecil Otter? He only put out two records. Um, Damn Yankees, a big one. Forty Five, New York Dolls, Hardworking Americans. I was gonna say, do you want to talk about Hardworking Americans real quick? Not that we put any of the songs on there, but. If you're going to throw around the supergroup phrase, uh, if you're into Todd Snyder and the kind of group he runs with or is associated with the kind of the Nashville... Yeah, the East Nashville kind of... Alt-country, alt I don't know what they call themselves these days. Uh, but that's an interesting band and uh, yeah, worth a listen if you like that kind of thing. First record, I think, is all covers. I'm pretty sure. And then the second record is, I, I don't think it's great, but I haven't liked a lot of what Todd Snyder's done lately. But his first yeah. record, it's fantastic. Uh, other bands to look at, Trio, which was Dolly Parton and Emmylou Harris. And um, help me out, Nate. Uh, Cassie Edwards. Blue Bayou, girl. Oh, what is her name? That's what I'm saying. We're gonna Do your research, back. Kyle. Come on. Gonna, my mind was going to fail me on this. Oh, seriously? <laughs> yeah, it worked. Uh, Linda Ronstadt. There you go. Linda, Linda Ronstadt. Um, second album is much better. They do yeah. Neil Young 
that you guys should get. Uh, the Delilahs, another band from Minnesota, pretty good. Um, Damn Yankees, the Dead Boys out of New York City. They're in the CBGB yeah. era. They've I thought about doing Joy Division. Division. I like a little Joy Division. Uh, frankly, was Hollywood. The Vapors are oh. like the Vapors. And Tin Machine, which is David Bowie side project. Um, the only thing you come out of that, Reeves Gabrell's a guitarist, is amazing. He's now in The Cure. Television. Super group. Again. Super group. Television. <laughs> One from uh, CBJB's again. Uh, Courtyard Hounds, which was the Dixie Chicks without Natalie Maines. They did two records. The Firm, which is uh, Paul Rogers and Jimmy Page, Supergroup, and yeah. some other slappies. <laughs> uh, up- the, sea- the Sea Girls only have two records, but they're still active and putting out music, so that's not going to last. Surprisingly, NWA only put out two records, and then, of course, they started cursing at each other and broke up. The Waitresses, only two records. Vinnie Vincent Invasion, then they kicked Vinnie out and became Slaughter. Amy Winehouse, of course, (laughs) unfortunately passed away. And the Zombies only put out two proper records, and that's an interesting... You should go read up on them. The Zombies' history was crazy their record companies were screwing them they actually hired two bands in in america one in texas and one from in michigan called the zombies and they toured as the zombies <laughs> in america and that's the, crazy the texas band had um frank beard and uh billy gibbons i believe were in them that would go on to be in zz top and i'm like that's insane in fact, this, the, the Michigan band, I believe, actually copyrighted the name of Zombies because it, it's some crazy stuff, for sure. Nice. <laughs> of course, Ron Argent would go on to be Argent and some other stuff, but that's an interesting history there. Cave Dogs, that's your favorite band, right? Uh, one of them, sure. And Porno for Pyros only put out two. One I was going to do for Nate was uh, Wham. They only put out two records. Um, yeah, that was really, I don't know. You, you kind of look back on it, and I think at the time you were like, yeah, Wham's a band. and But then, as time's gone on, and, you know, George Michael did his own thing, which was basically Wham. <laughs> you know, that was, like, he was the face, he was the the one dancing in the videos, and... You know. It was the talent, too. That's what people don't understand. Uh, Andrew originally only co-wrote three songs in their whole catalog. Okay, so everything else, you know, Last Christmas and uh, Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go and and uh, all the big ones were written by George Michael. He did co-write um, Careless Whisper and I think Wham Rap and something, one other song. But yeah. everything else, though... You know, freedom and all that stuff. That was all George Michael. So as much as all oh, he's a pretty boy and all this other stuff, yeah, he was also really talented and one of the best singers that ever to come out of the world. Yeah, he so, was the talent in that band. And I, so while the go under the name Wham, really, I just feel like it was it was early George Michael. Like that's how you know right. how to differentiate it. To be fair, though, Andrew Ridgely has always been complimentary. He's never 
said he was screwed over. He never talks crap about George Michael. He never said anything bad. He's like, you know, we, we broke up. It was time. And, you know, he ended up marrying one of the girls from uh, Bananarama. And then they broke up and now apparently they're back together. But um, he's always been a gentleman about it. And he had a lot of really nice things to say when George Michael passed away. So yeah. apparently it was, Yeah. So, and I don't think he did the touring stuff very well. I think the stage fright or pressure or something, because they were supposed to do, um, they're supposed to have a reunion concert at uh, one of the big festivals, the thing for Africa, not the main one, but what was that thing called again? I am drawing blanks on everything, but anyway. Band-Aid, Farm-Aid, one of those. Band-Aid, not Band-Aid, but the what was the concert called? But anyway, he backed out at the last <laughs> minute. He did have a, a problem with getting on stage, which is probably more common than people realize. But probably. it seems like a dude that was still a big slice of 80s. It's weird, though, that the record company would let him go solo because that second record was ginormous everywhere yeah. in the world. But that's what it was. That's yep, what it is. All right. Well, that's your uh, primer on bands that only have two LPs so far. Uh, the playlist is really eclectic and weird and all over the place, like our best playlists are. Um, but yeah, in terms of a sampler, in terms of exposure, these are some really interesting bands with a lot of interesting things to say. And uh, yeah, go check it out and uh, hopefully you find something you enjoy. Talked about that though. We didn't want, you know, we talked about genres and supergroups and whatever. We don't, that's why these playlists are what they are. It's not to be, you know, um, different or whatever, but to expose you to bands maybe you haven't heard of, maybe you have, but probably not. And I don't know. It's just not everything has to be samey, samey. So, yeah. We, we like the mixtapes that take us on a journey that kind of are a, a little bit. Maybe not what we love, and maybe not what we've been exposed to, and that's where you kind of find the the diamonds in the rough and the the really great things that don't fit in in the boxes that you're used to. Right, but your rough is somebody else's diamond, so you never know what's going to hit with somebody. So uh, listen yep. to the mixtape on this the playlist; it's going to be really, really good. Yes, some yeah. good music there. He's mix it however he does, but it's the the songs are there. All right. Well, until next week, uh, you guys have a good week. We'll talk to you later. Bye.